Hello, and welcome to the Mad Cat in the Attic podcast, where I, the weirdo who is currently living in your attic because rent is just way too high, read listener-submitted horror stories for you to enjoy while you cry alone in the shower. Yeah, I saw you in there the other day. It's all gonna be okay, bud. I promise. On this week's episode, we will have three shorter stories submitted by author Frank Floyd, a dark fiction author writing about existential dread, mental health, and the pain of existence. Our first story is entitled Death, the Sweeper. Silence. Every day is nothing but an elongated silence. I have a job to do, and the boss doesn't care how it's done as long as it gets done. I guess I should be grateful that I don't have him breathing down my neck. I doubt many people are satisfied in their work, but a lucky few get to go home at the end of the day to a loving family and the feeling they've made even a slight difference in the world. I am not one of those lucky few. All I do is sweep. I've had to change both the head and the handle so many times it's impossible to say that this is even the same broom I started with, but it feels the same. I still feel the same. Everything around me still feels the same. People claim that society is constantly changing, that progress is happening all around us. I don't see it. I merely see the same patterns of destruction repeating, war and death, two lovers in an eternal and cataclysmic embrace. I wish I could help them. I wish I could make even a slight difference. Yet all I do is sweep. I try to talk to the boss, but I just get silence. I'm not even sure he's real. I've never seen or spoken to him, yet he keeps the workload piling up. So he must exist, right? If anyone has the power to stop senseless chaos, it's him. Yet he never intervenes, no matter how hell-bent humanity seems on wiping itself from existence. As I sweep, I think about the innocents caught in the crossfire of conflict, about parents who outlive their children, and about those who simply cannot cope with the pain of existence. I would shed a tear for every single one of them. Yet I can't shed a single tear. I am skull and bones, draped in a black robe. I am the thing that all people fear. I am inevitable. I am death. I've seen the pictures and heard the stories, the Grim Reaper cutting down young and old alike with one fell swoop of his scythe. The truth is... I have no scythe. All I have is my broom, and all I do is sweep. Even the name is wrong. Death. I haven't killed anyone. I don't take anyone's lives. I merely shuffle souls from their fallen bodies and sweep them into piles as high as mountains. That way the Almighty can consume them with ease. I'm sure those who have passed would have questions if they could ask them. But they have no voice. The dead cannot speak. The living curse my name. But it is he who causes their pain. It's always him, yet they still praise him, still beg for an eternity in his domain. But heaven is not a place, and there are no pearly gates. Heaven is nothing but mastication and digestion. I feel the pain of every soul I sweep. I never see him scoop them up into his maw, but I can sense the absence of their essence once they're gone. The worst part is, he doesn't need to feed on them to survive. He does it simply for his own pleasure. I try to talk to the boss about all this, to try and make even the slightest difference, but I just get silence. 
I guess when it comes down to it, even I am in no position to question his ways. After all, I am nothing but a lowly worker. I am skull and bones draped in a black robe. I am death, and all I do is sweep. Our second story is entitled, Between the Devil and Me. Father, do you talk to God? Father Moran looked at him as if he made a joke that hadn't hit home. Perhaps the answer was so obvious it didn't warrant a response. The man tried to elaborate, but what he was trying to convey wasn't something simple. What I mean is, when you talk to God, do you get an answer back? Ah, I see. Many hear God's words, but they are not always spoken. They could come in the form of a feeling of acknowledgement, or even a sign. Does that make sense? You misunderstand, Father. This is a direct question. Have you and God ever communicated? Father Moran found his mind unwillingly pulled back to a day when he was eight years old. He had been approached by an old man in a clean suit who had told him that the spark of the divine reverberated deep within the young boy's soul. It had been that moment that had made him follow the wishes of his old Irish father to join the priesthood. He had been convinced this old man had been God appearing in human form, or at least one of his angels. The fact that his father died soon after this was God allowing his father's soul to finally rest in eternal peace, that he had finished what God had intended him for in the mortal life. Even though Father Moran had dedicated his entire being to his faith, With age, his belief of having been in direct contact with God had faded. He dismissed the man as a zealous Catholic, or perhaps a loon, that his father's passing at that time had been nothing but a coincidence. But now, with his mind pushing the memory to the forefront of his consciousness, he began to debate its validity once again. There was one time, yes, I believe. And you believe in Satan, not as a metaphor for evil, but a real physical being? Son, I'm not sure I understand where this is going. The thing is, Father, I think... He paused. He's speaking to me, Father. The devil talks to me. Father Moran's expression turned from faux concern to genuine disgust. He stood silent for a moment, then motioned with his arm towards the door. I think you should leave. He placed his free hand on the man's shoulder, gently forcing his exit when he noticed how violently the man's hands were shaking. You're not joking, are you? You truly believe the devil talks to you? Father Moran sat back down and cupped his hands around the man's to lessen the shaking. They had shaken this way since the first time Satan had spoken, the man explained. It happened always at night. He feared the whole thing could be nothing but dreams that these visions were detailing the onset of some form of insanity. This weighed heavily on his mind as much as the fear it could all be real. He explained the dreams in detail to Father Moran, of being approached by an old man in a clean suit, a man who did not fit within the dream, an uninvited stranger who claimed he was the devil and wanted him to find someone who could communicate with God. Father Moran's complexion dipped to a dull gray. Why doesn't he talk to God himself? God won't listen. It seems God's ears are deaf to the voice of Satan. The priest released the man's hands and looked uneasily around the church. My child, please come with me. 
He led the man to a raised bowl near the entrance of the church. Whilst making the sign of the cross, he muttered a few words in Latin, and then asked the man to place his hand into the bowl. After a few seconds, the water began to boil. Even with his hands submerged, the man said he felt no pain. Father Moran tried to keep calm, but his distress was obvious. He dipped his own finger into the boil and reacted to the heat. Okay, I believe what you say. I'm not sure what I can do, if God will even listen to the words of Satan. But I'll try. What was the message? He wants to say sorry. Sorry? Yes, Father. He said that he's sorry for ever defying God. That his heart is still filled with love for God. He wants to apologize for what he called his greatest mistake. He wants to apologize? If he is truly sorry, then why is he continuing to pour such evil into this world? You don't understand, Father. He said that he tempted Eve with the forbidden fruit out of jealousy. He was upset that he had been left to the rotten hell while God showered love upon his new creation. He wanted to taint God's human handiwork to show that even something born of God's love could make mistakes. He said all evil that has come after has not been his doing but a consequence of that day. That a Pandora's box of evil opened when Eve ate that fruit. He said that he has spent millennia racked with the guilt of his mistake and that he seeks forgiveness. Forgiveness for Satan? He comes to me every night, Father. He comes with tears in his eyes and his hands shaking as you see mine doing now. He says he can no longer continue without God's love and that he is scared for what he might do. No, I cannot. I refuse to ask God to forgive the devil. But Father, doesn't the Bible teach forgiveness for all who seek it? I don't care. I will not aid Satan. He shot to his feet and ejected the man from the church. The man turned back to see Father Moran fall to his knees and start weeping hysterically. Three weeks later, Father Moran was found dead within the church. It had been exactly 40 years since the day his father had died. It was determined that the cause of death was a heart attack. Our third story is entitled, The Decline. They all thought I was crazy. Now they're all dead. Every person I ever knew, and probably every other person too. I squeeze the tin opener and start turning the crank. The hob ignites. The beans slowly heat as I stir. They said nature was on the decline, but they couldn't have been more wrong. I was wrong too. I'm not here because I saw what was coming. I'm here because I'm paranoid. I finish the beans and rinse the tin, placing it into the storage room with all the other empty tins. Some of them I use as drink containers, some of them I find other purposes for. It feels redundant, but I'm hoping that by doing so I can pay back some of the dues that we as a species owe. I head into the next room and begin to count the tins still filled with food. I do this every day. I know the numbers by heart, yet I still count. 
If I carry on this way, I should have enough food for at least a year. After that, who knows? I'll either head out and hope that nature has decided our debt is paid, or I'll stay here and starve. I still remember the day they came. I thought I felt a change in the political wind. I bought into the conspiracies that a new world order was going to be enacted by a tyrannical government. Whether that would have been the case, I don't know. I no longer care. I should have listened to the people screaming about the pain we were putting Mother Nature through. The pollution and constant expansion of industrialization sucking the lifeblood from the planet. They said nature was on the decline, but they couldn't have been more wrong. Nature was giving us one last chance to change our ways. Yet, we didn't respect her, and now it's too late. I remember the first news reports. Earthquakes that tore our cities apart. Tsunamis that crumbled the shores. And hurricanes that ripped open our homes. Then they appeared. Huge creatures, taller than any building. Ancient beings that had laid dormant deep within the oceans, waiting for nature to call upon them once again. They were driven by a single goal, to wipe out the disease that was killing the planet. I was lucky to escape. I cross off the days on my calendar based on when I sleep. It says I've been here for the last six months. The truth is, I have no real concept of how long I've been here. If it weren't for the food I hoarded, a solar-powered light, and my rain filtration system, I'd be dead too. I wonder if that would have been better. Am I just prolonging this pain? Is there anyone left? I have no idea, and I doubt I'll ever know. I'll carry on this way. I should have enough food for at least a year. And after that? Who knows? If you enjoyed this week's stories, and you're interested in reading more by this author, please visit their blog, frankfloyd.home.blog, or look them up on Reddit at u slash significance 47 If you enjoyed this podcast and you'd like to hear your horror story on this podcast, please consider emailing it to me at the email in the description of the podcast. There's also a link to my Patreon in that description if you are so generous as to donate. Until next time, keep on creeping on, and I'll see you again.